0: You're listening to Weekend Joe, driven by At St. Louis Acura here on ClavesOnline.com. The fun and games start after this.
1: Last month, St. Louis Acura was the top-selling Acura dealer for new and certified Acuras in the Midwest. To celebrate, we're giving you some unprecedented offers. Get the 2021 TLX with 0% financing for up to 60 months and 2500 in Loyalty Conquest offers. Or get the all-new 2022 Acura MDX with 1.9% financing for up to 60 months and 1000 in Loyalty Conquest offers. St. Louis Acura committed to becoming better than ever for you.
2: And just got more entertaining. It's Weekend Joe on Klavz Online, driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura. Hear from some of the big names in St. Louis and national sports every weekend. And now, here's Joe Roderick
3: and me.
4: I'm Andy Hanselman.
0: Hey, welcome on in. It's another edition of Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on ClavesOnline.com. Joe Roderick here with you, and uh, we're recording it early this week, uh, recording it on a Wednesday, and due to the schedule change, uh, no Andy Hanselman this week. So I went into the, uh, to the Rolodex, went into the bullpen. And uh, hey, it's one of our sponsors of the program. He's Corey Inskip, and he's our co-host for uh, this week. Corey, what's going on? Welcome to—I uh, guess this isn't your Claves Online debut, but uh, nonetheless, your your co-hosting debut.
4: It's yeah, it's it's, it's my personal uh, online debut of me uh, having any sort of speaking influence. You've heard my name a few times in the commercials.
0: We have but, the recorded we have the recorded interview that we did. That was like four or five minutes. Oh, long. that's right. That's yeah. that's been a while ago. Yeah. I'll try yeah. to fill in for the
4: uh, golden voice to Andy Hanselman as best I can.
0: I, you know what? And as you mentioned, golden voice. I just realized that I have nobody to intro me for Crack Slippers today, so I don't know how that's going to work.
4: I'm, I'm. Oh, uh, well, I, you know, text me, uh, text me a script. I'll try to read it. I can't turn on the music for you though. The we don't have did.
0: music for that. You you think how much post production you hear? You listen to the show every week. You know how much post production we do for this uh, for this show. It's you lay not a tremendous uh,
4: space to talk over. There's, yeah, there's something in the background. I hear something.
0: Yeah, it's not that. It's not that much. Like I said, hey, weekend, Joe. We're driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. As uh, Munganas St. Louis Acura, they have uh, the, the cars. They have over five hundred vehicles on the uh the lot out there at Munganas St Louis Acura at 13720 Manchester Road and on top of uh on top of that the uh the Munganas St Louis Acura they have uh, coming up soon we we talk about the MDX they have they have the 2021 TLX Type S the best performing sedan ever made by acura arriving to the lot in may they just posted a video of it uh, at st they have it up on their facebook page if you look at Munganass st louis acura take a look at uh, at this car it is just a beauty of a vehicle and it will be available in may over at Munganass st louis acura the title sponsor here of weekend, Joe. So it's as I said, it's we're doing a um, we're doing it early this week. Uh, Post of the show early this week, Corey. I'm heading up to uh, Chicago this uh, this weekend. I, I know you have kids around uh, a little older than uh, than Hudson's age, mm-hmm. um, but they would love. I'm going on Thursday night, going to the Museum of Science and Industry. They have a Marvel exhibit with 300 artifacts from the Marvel movies. Oh, that should be fun. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Or so he like is. Uh, Hudson's got his little sweatshirt. He's got his little Marvel hat. I, I think he's got an Avengers mask that he's going to wear around the uh, around the museum. He is. Uh, yeah, but he not is like a go. not like
4: an Avengers mask mask, like a, a medical mask mask.
0: Right. Yeah. Just over yeah. the, uh, over the face that he, sure. uh, that he has to, uh, to do that. So it's, uh, I, I think it says the captain America shield, I think is the one he's going to go with tomorrow night for, uh, for that. So very, uh, very much looking forward. I am too. I, I really, I mean, that's, you know, when you look at t- over 20, what was it? 22 movies mm-hmm. that they, uh, that they did and how uh, they just kind of tied it all together and how good of a series that was, I have a feeling there's going to be some pretty cool shit that they're going to have well, out there. Not tomorrow. only
4: that, the uh, the extended series
0: they've done on Disney Plus, uh, how that all ties in. Have you watched uh, Wandavision? I have. You have. So I, they they just did that. That was that was interesting the way they kind of built it up as they went along, and you weren't sure where it was going the first few episodes. You had to give it some time. You definitely you did. You you had to trust Marvel was going to get you somewhere with that.
4: Well, you know they, they've put out enough quality stuff that they've earned uh, a little bit of trust out of you. Uh, you know, give them a little bit more rope than you would others.
0: And then this weekend they're debuting the uh, the new one. It's Falcon and Winter Soldier.
4: Oh, I didn't know that was this weekend.
0: Yeah, that debuts that debuts Friday night. The first episode for that uh, debuts Friday night. Now, I, I don't think this is a spoiler because I feel like this has been put on uh, out there. Because, well, if you watch the if you watch Endgame, you know at the end. That Captain America hands his shield sure. over to Falcon at the end of it. Yep. And then, if you watch the Spider Man that comes out after Endgame, and at the beginning of it, when they're going through um, those that have passed away, they show Captain America's face in yes. there. Mm-hmm. So, I believe this picks up around the time that Captain America might pass away.
4: Probably something along those lines. Yeah. At that point, he would be Captain America. The Captain America from the movies would have been, the Steve Rogers would have been like, what, 120? After, you know, having gone back in time again and then lived another lifetime.
0: So does he die of old age or I'm just, I I mean, because he he seemed just fine. I mean, he just seemed like he was an elderly man sitting there on the bench at the end of Endgame.
4: at, at, At the risk of going, you know, full Avengers nerds here. Uh, you know, he's, he's got the super soldier serum. So theoretically that old Steve Rogers on the bench could have, you know, pretty well kicked a normal dude's ass. That was
0: 25. Right. Yeah. So that's, I have that. I, I, well, I, I think what I so what I've trained, what I've trained my kid to do with those movies coming out those TV shows coming out every Friday is I've trained him to be patient enough to wait two weeks in between. So ah. every other Friday, we have two episodes of these. We started it with Mandalorian. We did it with, uh, we, we did it with WandaVision. And now I think I'm going to be able to train him to do that with, uh, with this. Cause there are 30 to 40 minutes, right? And or, Mandalorian was a lot longer episodes.
4: Was it? I don't, it seemed like they were short cause they were so good too.
0: Yeah. I feel like those were longer episodes. WandaVision was like a sitcom where it was just quickly, you know, it, yeah. it seemed like somewhere like 25 minutes and it was over. So I yeah. don't know what the plan is for, uh, for this, for the, the one coming up, but hopefully it is, uh hopefully it just continues all of the, uh, the, what they have going on sure. with that. So I'm also excited too. I, I'm going and I'm picking up some Murillo's pizza on Friday. I'm going oh, wow. to be bringing home some frozen Giordano's pizza. Um, basically i'm loading up on carbs this weekend
4: oh look at you, look at you. yeah well uh, not not uh not uh taking it easy on lint
0: no uh well <laughs> i mean the i'm saving the giordano's for afterwards uh-huh. and i'm saving that for like a cheat meal in april because it's the frozen one oh gotcha yeah but the aurelios i'm not quite sure where i'm going with uh what, what i'll order with that but it's been a while since i've had that so i'm I'm going to hit it pretty hard. I, I feel like this, uh, this weekend. So we'll, oh, uh, you no know,
4: based upon, uh, your running schedule, uh, you've probably got a little bit of leeway to work with there.
0: I, I hope so. I, uh, I hope so, but I won't be, uh, you know, in no way will I be looking like any of the, uh, you know, I, I won't have that Jake something body, uh, coming up anytime soon. Um, with, oh. with the way that I'm eating because you guys, you gotta get, you, uh, uh,
4: the supplements and vitamins to get there.
0: Right, uh, as we've uh, as we've talked about many times on the show, uh, Glory Pro, another sponsor here that you're uh, you're heavily involved with, Corey. Uh, Battle That's- on Broadway uh, is coming up April seventeenth, so a month from today that we are recording this. Is there is there any match that you would like to announce as breaking news here on Weekend Joe that we can uh, that we can let the people know about? Honestly, I don't have any
4: unannounced matches that I could do just yet. Damn it. Um, uh, we're I didn't still know that, few, and I took a chance. Uh, scheduling issues and so forth.
0: What's that? I'm sorry. I said I didn't know if I, I'd get that or not. I just took a chance.
4: You know, I, I don't have any. Sorry, uh, but the ones that are announced, uh, you know, they're they're definitely worth the the ticket price on their own. Uh, right. Not only that, I mean, you're talking about uh, at South Broadway, and they've been doing wrestling. Shoot, I the place opened what 18. 18 something, 1898, 1908, somewhere around those lines, and they've been doing, uh, you know, boxing and pro wrestling and and various other sports all the way through that time. And now we're happy to be moving into the building uh, to see how we can do putting on some shows there. They've had uh, professional wrestling there in the building for quite a while. That's not us. That's uh, the fine folks at uh, MMWA, uh, and they have a fantastic product. Ours is a bit different. We approach things a bit differently than them, Um, but uh, it should be. Uh, something that any wrestling fan uh, would be happy to see uh, at South Broadway.
0: Yeah, so we uh, so that's coming up April seventeenth. The stuff starts to uh, to open up again. You know, Andy, as I said, scheduling conflicts uh, with with us recording on a Wednesday for the uh, for the show this week. but I, as I was texting with Andy earlier, as you guys, this is gonna be your first show that you guys have outside of the one you did in indiana with uh with the collective this will be the first show you guys are able to run since february
4: 29th yeah i Um, mean illinois we we like to run shows in illinois but uh it's impossible i believe uh with their the requirements that they have now i think we're still limited to say 50 people and you just can't run a show like that um st louis region's opening up a bit more we're still going to be restricted Uh, I believe, uh, we could, based upon the occupancy of the building, we could potentially open up a lot more tickets than we have, but just to be on the safe side and space people out, uh, we've limited it to 150 that we were going to sell, um, just to, uh, make sure that everyone can be as comfortable as possible. And, uh, nobody gets sick on account of, uh, you know, coming to a wrestling show. It's it's just, you got to be able to have entertainment, but yet at the same time, try to be as responsible as you possibly can.
0: Well, Cardinal tickets went on sale earlier this week. They they started doing the single game. Uh, they The first was the, multi- the season ticket holders all got their uh, dibs on the tickets. Then sure. earlier this week, it was the uh, multi-game. You could either get packages of three or four games in April in pods of three or four, or I guess it was multi-game. You could pick any game. You had to pick at least three games up to 13 home games in April, and then you could do pods of three or four gotcha. for that. And that also included opening day. And then I believe it's either Thursday or Friday this week, they're opening up the single game tickets. So you could just get opening day or you could just get, you know, just that one game, but again, pods of three or four yeah. for that, as they are slowly starting to open up more tickets. And as you know, we go week by week, month by month, we'll, we'll be able to do that. But I, I was at last Sunday, I, I drove out to Slough. And I went to Western Illinois a baseball team was in town taking on the Billikens. And I just went there just to watch, just to go there and watch the game. I, I don't know the coach there anymore. Um, who, uh, met who ended up winning that? The, the Sunday game was slew by a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was the, the way the series went. So it was Friday slew won on a walk-off single Saturday Western won something like 11 to nothing and then Sunday, SLU won fourteen to nothing. Oh, so all right then. yeah. If you didn't go to a Friday's game, it was uh, it, it it was not exciting baseball, nail biting baseball, one way or another. Gotcha. But as I'm well, walking, I, I paid up... a
4: tremendous amount of tuition to SLU law school, so I'm <laughs> obligated to root for them.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I I paid significantly less to go to Western, but <laughs> my my picture is hanging up in the hallways of the broadcasting department, so. Yeah. I, um, I I went there for uh, for that, but I as I was walking up there to the game, I realized that that was the first live sporting event that I had been to since um, I, I guess yours no yours was March 1st. Your show was March 1st. that's right.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: because on the, the that was I mean if you want to qualify that as a as the last live sporting event that I went to because on February 29th, I did a battle Hawks game. And then I did a ring of honor show at the St. Charles family arena. Uh-huh. And then March 1st was your show. And then after that, I, I had not been to a live sporting event in 54 weeks since then. Yeah. So just to, to think of that as I was walking up was, it was just crazy to think that it had, uh, it had flown by. Yeah. This. I guess um, the last one I would have gone to would have been that uh, show. We
4: ran in Indianapolis in October. But prior to that, yeah, it would have been, uh,
0: that March show. Yeah. It's, it. And uh, it, it's, you know, crazy to think that it's a, a year has gone by. And one of the things I knew I wanted to talk to, it's, it's funny, just kind of, as you look back and, uh, yeah, I know there's a lot of jokes being made of, Oh, you know, it was only supposed to be two weeks. Now it's been, you know, 52 weeks and mm-hmm. this and that. And, uh, oh, what have you done the past, you know, you're during your year long, two weeks at home, this, and one of the things that you and I text about pretty much every single day, and I have had mm-hmm. conversations with two different people about this today, and are, are the baseball cards or the, oh, the yeah, cards, yeah. just in general, that when you look at certain things, like I, I, at the and I were talking about this a while ago, 52 weeks ago, we had no clue what zoom was. Yeah. And here you and I are sitting here right now recording on zoom. No, it's it's not only that. Uh, I
4: had a uh, conference call today with a probate judge, and uh, the courts are regularly using uh, a, the uh, Zoom and um, WebEx for not only conferences. They're they're moving to full trials, uh, bench trials at this point. I, I would assume they'll have to work something out for jury trials. But the the justice system is currently using a you know uh, remote meeting software.
0: Yeah, and I mean that all the Cardinals are doing as well. I mean, I'm getting you know I get texts every day from from the Cardinals about the uh, as I as I say that I just got one right now about the the post game for the game that the Wednesday night Cardinal game that um, that, that there was that now the post game Zoom is is now open that you can jump sure. in there on the press conference for that and that's how they did it all last year. I assume that's how they're going to do it all this year. And, you know, the website that Klaibs and I do the the lunch show on every week. I mean, that's, I mean, you talk about not knowing zoom 52 weeks ago, the website we use for that. I didn't know what that website was 45 weeks ago. Yeah. I, I mean, that's one that I, I I am still learning how to do stuff on, on the website that we use for, for that. But I, I think Early on, when I mean, was was the trading card boom happening before this, or was this a, a did this happen because of the pandemic?
4: I think it's uh, purely pandemic related. Uh, I myself personally um, hadn't thought about my card collection at all until say January, December, somewhere along those lines, and then I just happened to see something on, on Twitter. I don't recall what it was. I don't recall if I was looking for something like maybe I just go, you know, uh, search real quick for, uh, you know, wonder what Frank Thomas rookie cards are going for something like that. And then I, you just notice all these people just dealing with cards and they're not just, you know, the new cards and the with the newest most popular players and limited cards, you're talking about old junk. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know, vintage cards. I'm talking about literal junk, like stuff that you thought, hey, I should throw this away because it's worthless. There's people that are buying it. And and I was thinking about this. I think it's a combination of, uh, you know, people looking for something to do, being at home. They've come across their stuff. And now you you have an avenue of uh, communicating with people and making deals for things that you didn't before. Like everyone has this junk wax cards, but maybe you know, you didn't have a way before of showing everyone what you had and saying, hey, do you want this? I mean, if you think about it, when you had a card collection, if you wanted to get rid of it before, when you were, you know, in your teens or whatever, you had to go to your local baseball card shop and say, hey, do you want this? And they would say, no, we've got a bunch of it. And then your stuff was worthless. So you just put it away. Now you put it on Twitter and you've got several million people that could possibly see it and go, and, and one of those people will go, Yes, I collect that random piece of garbage. And then, you know, you can get a little bit for it. Or at least, you know, get it out of your collection. And, and that's where I think the ball's been rolling. Like, I saw one of the guys that I watch sold, I think it was like a 92 or a 91 uh, Ron Gant. Like, that, that I, I would have thrown a dozen of those in the trash. And this guy managed to sell it to someone for like a quarter. But still, I mean, it's it's sold. And I messaged the guy and I go, did you just sell that Ron Gant? And he goes, absolutely. And I said, you're my hero. <laughs> so it's just stuff like that all the time. And not only that, that's the low end stuff. But there's people just selling, you know, brand new cards for hundreds, you know, almost thousands of dollars ungraded. And then you send it to the grading companies and it comes back as a 10 and you're just sitting on a, you know, a brick of gold. It's, it's crazy the prices that are going here. NBA seems to be the one that has the highest um, card prices at the moment. I don't, I don't know exactly why that is. I don't know if it's new or old NBA, new NBA, Um, old NBA sells really well, especially Jordan's, but there's new NBA of of some guys that haven't played a game that are selling for a ton.
0: Yeah, that I, you know, I still, I, you know, (laughs) next week, next week or two, I'm bringing you before, before April, I'm bringing you the cards. uh, My, my entire trunk of cards and we can go through those on a day but so does that have anything have you followed at all this NBA top shot stuff
4: just a very little bit I do know what you're talking about I don't
0: know what I'm talking about what's that I don't know what I'm talking about like I know know what the name of it is (laughs) but I have no idea what it is or how you get
4: it no I I don't either I, I mean I've seen it I'm like, that's, that's interesting. But I, I have yet to really dive into the, uh, the specifics of it.
0: Yeah. I'm God. I, I just, I, 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 and I've tried, I have reached out to two different people about coming on the show to talk about it. And yeah. it's at a point where they're just like, I follow it and I've done it. Like, I don't know how to explain yeah. it though.
4: Uh, but well, that, hop, on, hop on twitter find one of those guys they'll talk to you
0: right and i just i just kind of want an idea of what it is because if it's something you know like i like with bitcoin i don't understand yeah. what the hell bitcoin is and we've yeah. talked about this andy and i have yeah. talked about this i've i've purchased like whatever in coinbase i have no idea what i have and it's mostly like it's just i kind of look at it for fun now
4: well, I, I, you know, I can almost wrap my head around the Bitcoin portion of it. I don't understand when people talk about how they're mining it. Like, what's the mining? They set up these computer systems to do some sort of mining and they get, get Bitcoin money from it? Uh, now I sound stupid. I, I have no idea right. what, what that is, but evidently it's making some sort of money. There's some sort of value to it, a significant value to it.
0: So with the cards, and I I know, you know, you, I know you've talked to so many people about doing this. Like, is there, when you're, when you're putting cards out there and Uh I I know you have, you know, the, you you have these accounts that you're following and you're, you're looking at this stuff. I mean, is it worth going out there and like selling these cards for the 15 cents or whatever?
4: Uh, If you're looking to make money off of that sort of thing, no, Uh, it's worth it if you have the, uh, the higher dollar cards, I've seen people making a ton of money on there. Um, the fifteen cents, I mean, you're going to have to really hustle to make anything off of it. Uh, I mostly am trying to sell off my old inventory of stuff that I consider to be worthless before the market realizes again that it's worthless. Um, you know, before before it comes back down, I'd like to unload the things I have and maybe you know boost up the collection of things that I actually enjoy. But I just saw on Twitter I don't know if it was uh, I think it may have been Texas but it may be something that's coming around the country at at Walmart they moved the cards from the shelves to where now you have to go to customer service and they will give it to you there because people were just coming in and buying like one guy would come in and buy the whole store's inventory so now they're limiting it to one person one one item per person and you have to go to customer service to get it That's how crazy the card market is. Like, I guarantee you right now, Joe, if you go to Target and you go over to the baseball card section, I can almost guarantee you there's nothing on the shelves. Wow. God,
0: that's yeah.
4: I I need to get people are buying the stuff and they're not even opening it. You go on eBay or Twitter and you'll find resellers there that are selling it for you know twenty to thirty percent markup.
0: That's crazy. That's uh, God. That is that. That really is. Uh, we need to get into the, uh, to the interviews on the, uh, on the show that we have today. Uh, Jeff Gordon from the, uh, stltoday.com. He'll be on with us first. And then Keith Costas on the, uh, on the show from the MLB network, as we, uh, well, I, we announced, well, we're putting it up on the, on, on social media. We're going to announce it this week that Keith Costas is joining us here on Klab's online. He and Klab's are going to do a podcast each and every week, talking baseball and that's going to start i don't know if it starts next week or the week before the season but Claves and Keith are going to uh, are going to talk baseball and as uh, as as Keith talks about in our interview today i mean he's well Claves has known Keith his entire life so to uh, so that's how that's how long that relationship goes back and uh, more and more uh, baseball coverage will be coming your way here on clavesonline.com as the baseball season gets underway i believe i find out on monday if i will be going to cincinnati for the season opener i, I think i think monday is when i find out if that's uh, going to be happening or not oh okay well uh so, what, what
4: would you be doing would you be able to do in-person interviews or no
0: what? i it's mostly i mean it's it's just to go there and, and ah. be as you know as i did not get to cover a single game last year it's oh. more or less I'm I want to travel to a lot of these games this year the the drivable ones just to see what the experience is like early on in the season. Sure. Well, you know, uh
4: if you if you uh have have the pull, go ahead and uh, say that I'm press as well cuz I can go there and not interview people just as well as you.
0: And that's I, that's what it is. I mean, it's I'll be sitting in the press box and Gordo and I yeah. talk about this and how the the covering these press conferences, everybody kind of has the same story. You yeah. don't get those one-on-one conversations with players in the locker room that you used to get. Sure. So everybody's having the same stories now. And you know, it's it's it it sucks for the media. I get it. I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. But well. you hope that when everything opens up again, that comes back as well. And sure. it, the players don't sit there and go, Hey, it's kind of nice to not have these, uh, these jackasses in the, in the locker room with us.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that could be the thing for, uh, for, uh, sanitation purposes. We're no longer allowing in-person interviews. Everything's, uh, has to be done over zoom.
0: Right. You know, let the important people in there like Derek Gould and, you sure. know, the cat, you know, people like that. And there's, you know, and let's keep out, you know, guys like, like, like Roderick, you know, it's, it's fine. Well, I uh,
4: could... tell, tell Clays to send me up there with you and I'll, uh, I'll right. let him have the final spot in my fantasy league. <laughs> that that an open spot for him. If he's not too scared.
0: I need <laughs> to send you the money for that. I'm going to do that. But hey, Jeff Gordon coming up next. And then uh, Keith Costas. And then we're going to come back and wrap things up with some crack slippers right here on Weekend Joe. Driven by Mungadass St. Louis Acura. Mungadass Alton Toyota. Find them online at St. Louis Acura and altontoyota.com. Back after this. You're listening to Weekend Joe, now on KlabesOnline.com, driven by Munganess St. Louis Acura, also sponsored by the Collinsville Auto Body. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville, sponsor of, uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about 10 years now. Collinsville Auto Body, they'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville, Collinsville Auto Body. And welcome back into Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on com. We have uh, tournament hoops starting up this weekend, but one of the bigger stories this week has been about the SLU basketball program and what exactly happened with their COVID shutdown. And I saw this man write a column about it uh, on STL Today. And I, uh, it's been too long since we've touched base anyway, so I had to uh, reach out and get him on. He is Jeff Gordon, and he joins us now. What's going on, Gordo?
2: Well, yeah, it's been a tough year. It's been great for me. I mean, I just, you know, got through the pandemic in one piece. But, uh, boy, you know, for SLU basketball, that was probably, uh, of all the programs in the country, many of them were hit hard. But it's its hard to find a program that took a bigger hit, all things considered, than SLU, given the stakes of this season, and also the stakes of last season, which got cut short for, for Travis Ford as he's really trying to gain traction. So yeah, just uh just a rough year all around for everybody. But uh, you know, for the SLU program, man, they really took a beating.
0: Yeah, you when you look at it, I mean, right around Christmas time, they were hot, they were winning games. I mean, Goodwin was playing better than you know most guys in the entire country. And they were. I mean, you're looking at a you know a, a top four seed in, in the tournament, one of the regions of the tournament before they got shut down, and now they're they're completely out. And you know, I, I didn't follow the rest of the nation that closely, but I can't think of another program that dropped as quickly as they did.
2: Yeah, just a lot of circumstances there. I mean, uh, they're in the Atlantic Ten, while other conferences were scrambling to make up games. The Missouri Valley Conference, uh, based here in St. Louis, the Ohio Valley Conference. They, they, made, they basically made up all their games. The SEC made up some of their games. Some of the other conferences, you know, came up a little short. But the Atlantic 10 was not all that interested in helping SLU make up their lost game. So the combination of losing games that they couldn't make up and then trying to come back from such a long shutdown where they didn't practice for more than, you know, two weeks, didn't play for more than a month, you know, they just weren't the same team. And they just didn't have enough time to win enough games to, uh, to, to build any sort of cushion. So they then they go to the conference tournament, the Atlantic 10 tournament, and they just don't have enough. They just can't, you know, say Bonaventure's a better team right now. And they had to win the tournament uh, to get the automatic bid to get to the big dance, and they failed. And they're probably, what, they, they were the third team out of the bracket and a tough place to be.
0: Yeah, and so, uh, you know, the, the story that came out this past week uh, after they they missed the cut was the Travis Ford, his kid's 21st birthday party and the pictures that surfaced from that and knowing, you know, try, kind of a, I guess a fuzzy timeline would uh, would be a good way to describe what uh, what we got there. So what is your understanding of, of how that timeline looks?
2: Yeah, I think all you can do, I mean, at this point, you just have to either take uh, the word of Travis Ford or not. I mean, unfortunately, the timing was bad because this team got whacked uh, at, basically at the Christmas break and the birthday party was right before Christmas. And, the, you know, the Billikens were fine up until Christmas and then they weren't. And they got hammered by the, uh, by the uh, by COVID and, and Travis Ford himself took a beating. The entire program took a beating. Um, you know, players one by one over a week period tested and some of the guys were pretty sick. So, you know, the timing's bad. Those people will, you know, do the math two plus two, whether there's, you know, Travis says his son was COVID positive earlier. Uh, but, and he also insisted that while he got sick, that the rest of his family did not. So that's, that's the story. Uh, there are skeptics out there in social media, such as, so it goes in social media, but it was a big enough story where Travis himself felt like he had to address it, uh, for the record. And, um, so, but will we ever really know? Uh, he didn't just—he didn't have an off—an answer for how the team did get, um, you know, the outbreak. You know, thinking back to the Cardinals, they—they they pinpointed their outbreak to like a team meal in Minnesota, I think, where they figured that's where their trouble started. They were able to pinpoint the problems last summer. So we don't know. But the bottom line is, boy, for Slu, they had a chance to go to three straight tournaments. You know, they won the tournament, the conference tournament uh, three years ago to get in. Then they were in good shape last year before the shutdown of the conference tournament and then this year you know all heck broke loose and what could have been a great run three years in the tournament which would be a big deal for slow uh turned out to be one
0: so now we you know locally here i guess we shift our attention uh out west we shift our attention up north mizzou and illinois and that i guess you know let's start with mizzou do you see them being able to advance past this first weekend
2: no, because Gonzaga's waiting for him. No, I do think they have a shot to beat Oklahoma. And, you know, if everything went right, sure, could they beat uh, the Zags? Could they, could they knock off the number one seed? You know, I mean, we've seen it before. A team goes cold. You know, I, I don't think it's going to happen to Gonzaga. But, you know, it's uh, if, they, if they went cold for 40 minutes and everything went right for SLU, I mean, or for Mizzou, rather. Mizzou's beaten Illinois. Mizzou's beaten Alabama uh, Tennessee. I mean, a number of teams, uh, Arkansas that are in the, the hunt. So yeah, theoretically they could, but realistically, if they can beat Oklahoma and actually win a conference, win a game in the tournament for them, now I think that was 2010 was the last time they actually won a tournament game. That would be a huge year for them.
0: Yeah, that, you know, claims and I were talking about this uh, on Tuesday and we were going over just kind of the chances of Mizzou and Looking at that Gonzaga schedule, I mean, once you hit January, February, March, the the level of their competition just dropped off so much, I feel like, that it's, it's so hard to get a read on a team like that. And taking nothing away, I mean, they're undefeated. You can't take anything away from a team that's undefeated. That's so hard to do in any season of college basketball. But it makes you wonder what that caliber of play is going to be like, what would, how good would Mizzou or how good would Oklahoma be if they were playing in the West coast conference?
2: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. And meanwhile, Missouri, on the other hand had to face a lot of competition. The big, the sec was really deep. And so they were facing tough competition every, uh, every night, even the bottom tier teams in the sec would win a lot of games. uh, If they had to play a, a sort of schedule that a, an upper mid major school does. So, you know, I think if you look at Mizzou, if they have one of those days where they everybody's hitting their three-point shots, and if, if Pinson shows up and is ready to go, and, and if Tillman's got his head in into it, and he and they're letting him play a little bit, so and everybody's hitting shots. I mean, and they defend and they play hard and they rebound. You know, they're a team that could cause a problem, Mizzou. But unfortunately, they just they sort of reached their level uh, and they just couldn't push higher. Where Illinois just kept getting better this year. And I just think it came, it just comes down to talent. Mizzou sort of hit their plateau skill wise and, and everybody else caught up to them because they're an experienced team and that helped them early, but then everybody else got better during the course of the year Mizzou didn't. And it kind of caught them at the end.
0: And that's kind of, I mean, when you look at all, you know, when you, let's go back to that November, December, when all three teams were ranked, you know, when SLU, Mizzou, Illinois, were all ranked and it was such a big deal because it was the first time in X amount of years that all three teams were ranked. And and you're exactly right. I mean, you saw that SLU drop off, whether it was COVID related or not, you saw Mizzou's drop off and play or other teams catch up to them and God, Illinois, I, I, you know, it's, it's bringing back those memories from the uh, from the team that made that final four run here in St. Louis to make an argument if this is that best Illinois team or, ever or not.
2: Hey, they could win the national title easily. I mean, when you saw them go to Michigan without Dosumu and just feed it to the Wolverines, you know, just feed it to them. I mean, just, just told them. And, and a stretch where they also beat Wisconsin and Ohio State, I mean, you just – you saw that stretch at the end of the regular season and you saw what they could do without their best player. And now you see him come back with the, as a masked marvel – And you see they got the big guy. They got a number of guys who've stepped up, who can play, who can shoot, who defend. You know, Corbello's a crafty guy. You know, you got uh, Frazier's explosive, and he can can get hot. I mean, they've really got everything you need to win a title. And unlike uh, certain other teams that are in the top seats, one in particular, Illinois played a brutal schedule. I mean, every week was just there's just hardly any bad teams in that, in that league. And they, and they passed that test. I mean, it's amazing how they played against that competition.
0: You know, we, we saw them beat Ohio state in the, uh, in the B1G uh, championship game. And I was actually, I, first of all, I didn't realize how good EJ Liddell had been playing oh. this year for Ohio state. And just the other day, I was talking to a former teammates of, uh, of EJ Liddell's. And he was, I mean, all, all he wanted to talk about was what could have been if Liddell picked Illinois over Ohio State and what this team would have looked like then. And, and just to, God, just to kind of have that thought in your head of how good, how much fun that team would have been to watch with him standing in the middle there is, oh, it's something.
2: Yeah. And then you look at the two, Mizzou really worked hard on Liddell because of, uh, of Konzo Martin's east side ties he worked his butt off and imagine him versus let's just say he's getting the minutes that Mitchell Smith is getting for Mizzou. I mean, no offense, Mitchell, but I know you want to be a radio guy and get into the broadcast business, but imagine having, uh, Kofi and Liddell or having, uh, Jeremiah Tillman and Liddell side by side and just let Liddell terrorize people. I mean, and he just stood in there against Kofi, like with this, you know, like, yeah, oh, this is no big deal. I can handle this dude. And, uh, you know, he, he held his own, man. And that guy, that young man is a man. He is ready to advance. I mean, that guy, what a player. What a get for Ohio State.
0: How uh, How confusing is this tournament schedule going to be for you this year with how they're, the way they're kind of laying out the games and you got games on Mondays and Tuesdays now this year. It's all over the place.
2: Yeah, we got used to that rhythm where that first four days were uh, were amazing. And, you know, just Thursday through Sunday was like the best four days in sports. Uh, that was, you know, they, so this is goofy. I mean, those that was when I remember going to like, I'm sure many people have gone to Vegas during that period just to see the level of activity during those four days because there's so many games in the sports books. They set them up in ballrooms and you just have all that basketball. Well, now it's, yeah, it's the same deal, but. Yeah, a whole different rhythm. I mean, we should be getting into the first four now and then and uh, and then and then getting into uh, figuring out the weekend bracket. It just, you know, I'm just glad to have it. It's awesome to have it, but yeah, it's just a weird rhythm.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, as I was looking at the schedule, because I knew there were no games Tuesday night, and I thought, I was like, oh, maybe they're playing all of them, um, you know, maybe they're playing them today, and I started looking at the schedule and wondering if my app was wrong or, or trying to figure out what exactly was going on with that. It was yeah, it was it was weird, but I'll I'll get used to it, and we'll you know you'll, we'll watch all the games. When was what was the last game that you went and covered in person, Gordo?
2: Oh gosh, you know. Uh... It would be, I mean, we had regionals here, a number of good regionals. I'm talking about State any Wars. games.
0: No, I'm talking about any games that would be pre pandemic. Yeah. That's like, Oh God.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before the mine, world was, so mine
0: was the, uh, the February 29th battle Hawks game last year. So that was the last game that I went and covered in person last year.
2: I'd have to go back and look at it, but it, it would have been a blues game, you know, uh, for sure. And, uh, and then to, it just, uh, for it all just to go away. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, yeah. Uh, and then for like a couple of, I mean, in the summer it was just like, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> Besides trying to survive.
0: I know you're sitting there and it's, you know, you're seeing a couple people. I know you guys have had people from the post-dispatch go and cover Cardinal games out at Bush stadium or whatever. Or Derek Gould I think went to all 60 of them, didn't Or he wasn't allowed in the stadium in Chicago, but he still was there in town at least trying to cover it. But man, I mean, you kind of look at it. It's like, okay, now we just wait for that text every day to jump on a zoom and and see what Schilt has to say.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it's, it's weird. Like we've continued to cover, for instance, we still send Jim Thomas on the road to cover the blues, but you know, he's on the same zoom call as anybody else that, you know, when Dan O'Neill's email comes out and you get the, uh, the zoom link. And so, yeah, he can see the game live, which is somewhat helpful because some of the TV coverage has been sketchy, but, yeah, it's just it's just so weird now and when will we get back to normal? When and I the one thing I'm afraid of and, and you can I'm sure you've had the same thought is once we're past the pandemic these players have gotten pretty used to not having to deal with us. Yeah. And any uh, face-to-face level and we you know going down to the clubhouse and hanging around waiting for somebody to come out and talk uh, before a game I I wonder how much of that'll just go away. And you you get the sense
0: especially when you see like a few of these players It does seem split 50-50. Like a few of the players, I think, I I don't want to say they miss us. Maybe they miss having the interaction. (laughs) But there are some that, if they never have to see us in person again, I mean, that'll make the rest of their careers just great. But then, you know what? What's going to happen is those guys that don't want to see us ever in person, those are the ones that are going to want to try to get jobs in media after they retire. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) I know it. You know, it's 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 a shame because you know, thinking back to the pre-pandemic, you know, you had a pretty good group of guys. You know, back before the it hit. You know, in terms of you know, the, some of the more talkative guys weren't the best players, but you had a bunch of guys that would chit chat. I mean, it wasn't a bad group at all. And you know, you always liked seeing a guy like Wainwright around, clowning around. You know, he pick his spots when he talked, but he was just a you know jovial presence. So it was not, you know, and for guys that broadcasters, you know, for for Claves and the, and and the guys that were working uh on the you know the coverage every day danny mack and everybody it just you know they got so much intel from just quiet time talking to guys just chit-chatting with guys and you miss all that and and you know it's a shame because a lot of times you, you you miss insights that could really help you um bring some insight to the listener or the reader because you don't have the background that you would have had you know you don't have You know, all those side conversations you have will give you some insight that when something does happen in a game or something happens with a guy's career or something clicks, you know, you can in the old days, you could draw from your conversations that you had with guys to uh, to mention, you know, to put some context around it. Well, now we've just been separated and it's just you can't go on a Zoom call and just have idle chit chat. You know, you got to get to the questions and then they tell you to to shut up and they turn off the, the camera.
0: And then, yeah, I mean, what, what happens then is everybody has the same story. Everybody's hearing the same quotes. So, you know, you just don't get that little passing by comment of something or just, you know, I think, for example, if people aren't, you know, maybe uh, people have read about this or heard about like Colton Wong, where his locker was in the Cardinals locker room was kind of right around where all the media would just congregate and wait for somebody to go talk to. So the amount of conversations, just random conversations that everybody in the media just had with Colton Wong, you can't get that. I mean, Colton Wong or anybody, you know, Tommy Edmond now isn't just going to sit in a random Zoom room waiting for people to show up. It, you know, once he's there, it starts, it goes, and it's over. It's It definitely is something that's going to be missed.
2: And think about spring training, which was the ultimate example of guys being able to set the groundwork you know for the entire season in terms of relationships with the players and and just getting insights into what each guy you know where they're at what they did in the offseason where they are going into the season you got all that time normally if you go to spring training it's very leisurely you got all, all kinds of access to guys at different it's you're there all day you know players are coming and going but in and out of games but you know in and out of workouts but you can get a lot of you can get a lot of stuff done. You can talk to other baseball people that are hanging around as well. And you just get a lot of, a lot of information. And, and that's why you go down there. But now again, they're just, you know, like everybody else waiting to find out when the next zoom uh, call is going to be for the most part. It's uh, and that was such a great tradition. I mean, I hope that that comes back next year for the media guys, because ba- baseball in particular for the, the team broadcasters and the beat writers, guys like the commission and, and and Derek Gould from our place and Ben Fred and Benjamin Hockman, you know, it's, they just, it's, it's so invaluable. So I, I hope that we can somehow regain the the intimacy that, that we had with these guys. And because that really made coverage um, so much better. And, but maybe someday we'll just be getting everything off of their fitter tweets and their Instagram posts. And maybe that'll be the world. That's the way they communicate going forward.
0: Right. I mean, the, the work that Derek just had to do down in, in spring training, where he's standing, you know, 400 feet away from, <laughs> from second yeah. base, trying to figure out how Nolan Gorman looks turning a double play. It's, you know, it, it's, I understand we're in a pandemic, you you have to take these precautions, but you know, for the listener, for the readers that, that are so invested in Cardinal baseball and so excited about this season and, you know, the prospects like Gorman, it, it sucks for them because, you know, they they want to see what this young, you know, kid is going to be up to and what his potential is. And when there's one guy, I mean, you're, you're really kind of hoping on the vision of some of these beat writers being able to see, you know, 300 feet away.
2: Yeah, and just think about during the course of the season – the, um, you know, they, they try to help the broadcasters out some, but during the course of the season, you know, when you're trying to be a storyteller during a baseball game, and that's when you really draw on all the the background that you've accumulated uh, on each guy that's that's in the mix, talking to the coaches, talking to the players, you know, day after day after day, you, you gain a lot of knowledge that you could share as a game unfolds, and you strip away a lot of that, and now you're, you're trying to be a storyteller, but you don't have – you just don't have the, as, as much, as much to share. And I'll tell you that the are really the saddest thing, man. And yours this is a national story. It's not a local story. It's no knock on any local outlet. It's the same everywhere. Making these broadcasters work remotely is uh, you can do baseball and some other, you know, okay. Kind of okay. in basketball hockey, you know, these guys have in some of these games, they have no idea what's going on. Cause the cameras are, they're not following the blues. There are no ISOs on the blues. They're getting the visiting team feed. They're sitting in a studio. They have no idea what's going on in the ice. What's going on behind the play. What's going on behind the play. What's going on behind the play. I mean, it's, it's, it's something's just horrible. And then or, you know, in basketball, again, you, there was a game where Mizzou played. You had two guys from ESPN having a bar conversation. The game was unfolding. They barely referenced the game. It was two guys on a Zoom call chit-chatting about their Rick Majero stories and uh just on and on about everything but what was actually transpiring in a in a arena someplace far away that they were barely paying attention to over a TV screen. So you talk about a lack of intimacy, you talk about not not being able to share anything. These these guys had nothing, so they really talk about the game.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're I mean you're right. I think what the, the hockey what was it? The playoffs last year. The they could actually the the radio guys could hear the goal horn before a goal was scored because of the. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so, I, how do you broadcast when you know three seconds ahead of time that there's about to be a goal score?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it can be disorienting, and I, I give these guys. I mean, the pros that are out there on the front lines trying to do their best under the circumstances. Oh, man, I tell you what, their jobs have never been harder. So shout out to all of our broadcast buddies who are doing a hell of a job, um, you know, under the circumstances. And oh, by the way, I have to give a shout out to uh, to Mike Shannon. I hope he's doing better. And my goodness, we, we almost lost the treasure there. You know, we, t- we complained about COVID inconveniences, but there was a guy that was fighting for his life. So as a reminder that, you know, it's not just about us not getting to sit, sit down and talk to players, but it's about guys that had to fight to try to survive. So shout out to Mike. Hope he's doing well. Well, Gordo,
0: hopefully, uh, you know, in a few weeks, a few months, I'll see you back in the, uh, the Bush stadium press box and we can, uh, we can catch up more then.
2: Yeah. I'll have to try to get myself in shape, man. You're, uh, you know, J-Rod you, you've kind of, you've, you've, uh, you, I don't know, you and Claves are on this, uh, it's this fitness thing. And yeah, uh, it's been going on for some time now. Meanwhile, I'm just the same slob I've always been. I mean, I, Every time I see you, you guys it's like, oh, geez, I, uh, I've really let myself go. These guys are, these guys are doing a hell of a job taking care of themselves. So, uh, you guys keep, they keep up that, and uh, hopefully, uh, I can try to lose a few before the next time I see you. Sounds good, Gordo. We'll talk soon. Take
0: care. Been way too long since I had caught up with Gordo. Nice checking in with him there. It's weekend. Joe driven by Munganas St. Louis, accurate here on Claves Online. Dot com. Hey, we're also sponsored by Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville, where you can find them. Went and saw the uh, the folks out there earlier this week. Hey, you, you know, you, you hit something, you have a dent in your car. Uh, we've had some bad storms. If something has fallen on your car, dented it that way, just take it on in there to them. Most insurance providers will help you get t- that taken care of fast. Collinsville Auto Body works with all, almost all of them. There in Collinsville, Illinois, great people to deal with. I've known them for so, so long, and it's the only place that I would trust taking my car to. And uh, they've been on board with everything I've been doing for over a decade now and can't thank them enough for that. Collinsville Auto Body, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville is where you can find them. Hey, take a break. When we come back, Keith Costas of the MLB Network. We will chat with him about uh, just everything, all, all, all things baseball with Keith, kind of all over the map with him right after uh, this. It's Weekend Joe Driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota, here on KlabesOnline.com. The InSkip Law Firm wants you to know that whether you need a will or trust, long-term care planning for a loved one, a special needs trust, or more, that you've come to the right place with them. Maybe you don't know what you need. At the InSkip Law Firm, they explain everything that you need to know, and they answer every question. And their process is easy, straightforward, and understandable. There's no preparation necessary and nothing to bring. Their services are customized to suit your unique needs and wishes, and they will work with you to uncomplicate the complicated. The InSkip Law Firm prides themselves on responsiveness and quick turnaround. You'll always know the fees up front and always receive a personalized plan that reflects your own unique needs. You can call now to set up a COVID-safe in-person or virtual consultation at 314-818-0344 or find them online at inskiplaw.com. Back here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganast St. Louis Acura on Klaibs Online, and uh, hey, we want to welcome in a new member to the Klaibs Online team as baseball season is about to get going, and this man will be starting a uh, weekly podcast with Mike Claiborne. He is from the MLB Network. He's Keith Costas, and he joins us now. Keith, what's going on?
3: What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me, man. Happy to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. I look forward to, uh, to what you and, uh, and Claves will put out each and every week. How, uh, how far back, how, uh, when was the first time that you, uh, you met Claves?
3: Oh man, that's not, not to give you a cop-out answer, but I honestly don't even know. I feel like I've known him my whole life, just growing up, going down to Camo with my dad when I was a little kid and kind of always being around the ballpark and whatnot, um, so I feel like I've known claims forever, but really since I started working at LB Network about 10 years ago, almost 10 years to the day, in fact, coming up in a couple of weeks, um, you know, traveling back to St. Louis to cover games and going around to different events and winter meetings, spring training, whatever. We cross paths all the time and have kind of struck up a friendship uh, beyond just kind of seeing a familiar face, hanging around with my dad when I was a kid. So we've uh, decided to do something and work together a little bit this season.
0: I'm sure those stories will come up, but you mentioned, you know, something you just jumped out at me 10 years now at MLB network. Yeah. This past year. So go that 2020 season and everything that you guys are going to have in front of you for this year. Was it, I mean, I know there were challenges, but after a while, was it fun to kind of figure out the best way to go about and bring people ball games from your side? Yeah, I
3: think so. I think behind the camera and behind the scenes was just the same as the fans on the other side of the TV. I think after, you know, going through what the first half of last year, not that things are normal yet, obviously, but those first few months of quarantine, I think everyone was just jonesing for some sports back on their TV. And for those of us that work in the industry, um, we were definitely ready to get back to doing what we do and put those games on. So yeah, definitely presented some unique challenges. It was a quirky season just from a baseball standpoint with the 60 game sprint and the expanded playoffs and everything. But yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a welcome challenge and a fun challenge to ta- to tackle uh, tiring. I didn't sleep very much, but, but yeah, it was a good time for sure.
0: If anything, I think it's happened in all sports and it'll be interesting to see how, how things go back. I think in a few cases, it gave us different camera angles and different ways to look at it with nobody in the stands for baseball last year, for limited people in the stands for football. It was able, we were able to change the way cameras go and ways or areas that we're able to see on TV.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, not having, you know, 50,000 people in the stands certainly presents some different options as far as the angles you're able to take. I know in the NBA and the bubble, they had that that speed cam that people really like that kind of travels up and down the length of the court on the sideline that gave you a perspective that you're not really used to seeing. And we've seen that a little bit in baseball too. And then the obvious one uh, for better or worse, certainly sometimes worse if there's kids in the room, we got some pretty clear audio too. So that, so that was fun.
0: Is there a file somewhere at MLB network of all of those, uh, words and, uh, little phrases? If I told you I'd have to kill you. (laughs) I, I can only imagine just some of the stuff, I mean, you know, you'd have to watch every game to pick some of the stuff up, but yeah, that's, I mean, audibles and football or just the trash talk and some of the other sports, but baseball, I mean, that's something, yeah, you, you got to have really, really good seats to hear some of the stuff that was being said uh, most times.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So it was fun to bring that different perspective and you know kind of see, I guess it was more of a player's feel really not uh, not having the fans in the stands you get a little bit clearer audio, you get a little clearer picture of what's going on. So yeah, quirky. I'm um, not sure if people want it to stay that way forever, but it was it was certainly interesting.
0: And baseball too gave us um, a few images that we haven't gotten in the other sports and as as players, you know, pitchers mostly, that weren't allowed in the dugout or weren't even allowed the game that they're just sitting in the stands, hanging out, hanging out last year. We're not going to get that this year, but when when you look back at how crazy of a season it was last year, that was, that, that's one of those, you kind of look back and it, it was fun for the time.
3: Yeah. I don't know if you remember There was, I want to say it was like late August, early September, but there was a four or five day stretch where it felt like the nationals had a pretty good streak going of players getting tossed from like, Section 132, (laughs) like you just see Strasburg up the third baseline screaming at the umpire and getting ejected. And instead of going down the tunnel, he's walking up the concourse like he's going to get a beer and some nachos or something. It was just a totally different way of seeing the players and the umpires interact and everything, the players in the stands. So yeah, not going to get that again next year, but uh, certainly stuff we couldn't have imagined before about 12 months ago.
0: I don't remember that at all. I don't, I, I'm trying to think back to that happening. And I, yeah, I it was,
3: it was Strasbourg. I think Annabelle Sanchez got the boot from the stands one game. Uh, they had a, they had a very chippy series and it was just kind of funny visuals to see guys getting the heave ho and then walking up the third base stands into the concourse.
0: <laughs> see one of the, from, from last year, it was so, and, and you know, you covering it nationally, I, I think you'll still be able to understand this from my, my perspective, With the way the schedule was set up, I knew nothing of the NL West or the NL East or the AL for that matter, because it was so strange that you did not see them all year. So you kind of look at the stand and you go, okay, you know, you see who's there. But as far as those teams, I mean, that was something we I mean, you know, when you're following just the Cardinals, you have no idea what's happening.
3: Yeah, I know. It's such an everyday sport that it's kind of like you didn't really think about it that much. Obviously, everyone was aware of it with the way the schedule was laid out, but more like after the season was over and it was awards time, you heard a lot of talk about Cy Young. Oh, well, did Trevor Bauer and you, Darvish and other pitchers in the Central, I guess Kenta Maeda on the AL side, did they face such such weaker competition being in those Central divisions uh, compared to the guys on the coast? Um, Yeah, it was certainly unique. I mean, from a St. Louis perspective, I'm glad things are back to normal, but it would have been kind of fun to continue it into this year. And all of a sudden you're in the same division as La Russa up in Chicago. That was my first thought when he went there. I was like, Hey, we're in this, uh, if we get in this regional sort of setup again next year, that's going to be pretty fun seeing the Cardinals and White Sox go head to head a bunch, but thankfully we're back to a a little bit of a more normal operation.
0: I get it, you know, anytime that's brought up and I, I think I'm used to it by now, but it was so strange in February and maybe the first week or so of March, whenever LaRusso's name was brought up. Cause you're sitting there like, Oh yeah, shit. He is the manager of the white Sox. Like it is something that you, you kind of forgot about for, for a little bit. How, do, how do you think that's going to play out? Because so far here, we're sitting here, it's March 17th. There have not been any issues really reported of his managerial technique at spring training.
3: Yeah, I think it's, I personally think it's going to go well. I mean, Full disclosure, not at all unbiased journalism here. I'm a huge fan of Larusa, so I'm pulling for it to to go well. And the thing I kept telling people when it happened, I mean, I think it's been flushed out pretty well since then. People have made their points on all sides, and people have kind of calmed down with the based on the initial reaction or relative to the initial reaction when he was hired. But to me, the thing, and anybody that's watched the Cardinals or follows the Cardinals knows this: the thing that's going to supersede any potential problems, and I don't think there's going to be any problems, but people talk about is he going to be able to relate to these younger players the thing they're going to relate to is that tony Larusa. they're going to find out roughly 5 minutes into their experience with him that he wants to rip the throats out of everybody in the opposing dugout and that that type of attitude and that type, type of competitiveness does not uh, it does not it is not going to you know, that's going to supersede any kind of generational gaps or philosophical gaps again, which I don't think are going to be a big issue. But once the games get going, they see the way this guy wants to compete. I think they're going to want to play for him. And, you know, win now is something that gets thrown around a lot in sports. This is like truly a win now team. They're ready to win the World Series right now. And you just can't convince me that having Tony La Russa in the dugout come September 15th or so when you're looking at the last two weeks of the season heading into the postseason, you just can't convince me that as long as there's no issues behind the scene, which again, I don't anticipate there being that having him be the guy pulling the decisions in the dugout, isn't going to be a huge asset to the team. So I think they're going to be, they're going to be excellent. It's not an original point. Everyone's brought it up at this point, but I mean, people talk about Tim Anderson, like are you not familiar with a gentleman named Jose Canseco or Ricky Henderson or any of these guys that made today's bad flips look like, you know, no big deal. That was 30 years ago, and he didn't seem to have any problem with it then. We've watched pools, watched plenty of home runs over the years in St. Louis. Yadier Molina is a fiery player. I just think the whole thing was kind of a lazy narrative, and I expect the White Sox to be one of the very
0: best teams in baseball. You're, you're I mean, you're exactly right with that. The, the name, that that's the one that I kept bringing up when people would say, oh, how is he going to get along with Tim Anderson? It was like, you, I mean, I, I feel like Ricky Henderson had probably the biggest personality that we could ever see in the game of baseball. And this is a man that was able to handle that. And, you know, I wasn't covering, I was, I was in college back in 04 and 06 when the Cardinals were in the World Series. And I had just started in St. Louis in 2011 when they won that World Series. But I mean, that 04 and that 06 team, those were some really young teams that the Cardinals had. I mean, they had young stars. When you look at Yachty and Wainwright and Poolholes and how old they were at the time, that age should not matter in, in any of this. I mean, yeah, LaRussa you know, 15 plus years older, but it's not going to change the way he he handles those guys, right?
3: Yeah. And I mean, there was, a, there was a great article on The Athletic maybe four or five days ago coming out of White Sox camp with Lucas Giolito. And he gave some pretty wry kind of tongue-in-cheek comments. And he bas- basically said something to the effect of, you know, my biggest concern was whether Tony was going to let us play rap music in the clubhouse and whether or not I was going to have to turn Future off. And I've been playing Future all spring. And Tony, it turns out, has no problem with Future. So we're good. So, I mean, from the outside looking in, yeah, it's a, is it a kind of juicy narrative to throw around that this 76-year-old manager is going to clash with the 20-something, you know, flashy young players? Sure, but the players don't seem too concerned about it at all to the point where they're just having fun with the questions at this point. So, yeah, I think they're going to have a really, really good season. And I kind of roll my eyes always when people talk about, oh, I've got an AL team or I follow this team and this thing. No, if you're a sports fan, you've got one team. But I'm stepping out of that this year. The White Sox are my American League team. I'm watching a lot of White Sox baseball this year for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I so I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and okay, Frank okay. Thomas says Frank Thomas is has always been my my sports idol. And then I moved down to St. Louis when I was 12, so I I still go both ways with that, and mm-hmm. I I definitely lean more towards the Cardinals. But yeah, that that White Sox team, and but that's. On top of that, though, you mentioned that and, you know, one in each league, that the Padres team, I mean, last year and now even this year, I can't wait to watch their games late nights because that that team is just going to be so much fun to watch. And I don't think there's another team that's going to be able to compete with them as far as entertainment value.
3: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with the late night part. I mean, I don't know how many. How many fans in St. Louis are buying the extra innings package or watching us on MLB tonight on MLB Network and watching late night West Coast baseball. But that's exactly where I'm coming from with that, too, between Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Joe Madden in Anaheim. Obviously, the Dodgers are incredible. The Padres. I mean, you've got some really good options if you're flipping around after those Cardinals games are over to catch some West Coast baseball and it, you know, it gets overlooked sometimes just because of the time change. I mean, it's after one o'clock in the morning, a lot of times out here on the West coast when those games wrap up, but yeah, man, the Padres in particular are going to be a super, super, super fun team to watch this year. And they are, they're not just going to be good. They have exciting and charismatic players that, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be a a one hit or two hit wonder in terms of just a short window. Like they're here to stay. The spaces are obviously going to change, but with Tatis and Machado and that pitching, they've got locked up. That's a very, very fun team for just kind of the average fan with no allegiance to get on board with and root for It's You don't really get that a lot in baseball. It's such a local sport. People watch 162 games of the same team, but I do think the Padres are one of those teams that can kind of, you know, supersede that and just have people tune it in just because they're
0: such a fun team. When, when you have a team like that, I mean, they, you know, they were bad for so long, they drafted well. And you see some of these other, but it's San Diego. It's going to be easy to convince free agents to go to San Diego. Yep. When, when you look at some of these other te- like the Pirates, I mean, what they, all they have, I mean, all they have to lean on is drafting well. And, and even when they do that with a guy like Josh Bell, the, you see how long that tenure lasted. <laughs> and it's just, and we might be looking at one of the worst See that's I mean, they're going to be, what was the Orioles a few years ago? I mean, that's going to be really pathetic what they put on the field this year.
3: I think their number, uh, last I checked, their over-under out in the desert is 59 and a half wins. I mean, that is a rough starting point for a team to basically go into the season saying that the over-under number on losses, flip it around, is over 100. And that's just the benchmark. And that's before you start. I mean, who knows, a team in their position – couple guys come up and have a good season they're gone they're gone at the trade deadline there's no reason to hold players in Pittsburgh right now they're in a full rebuild so yeah it could be a very a very long summer in uh, in Pittsburgh and honestly that's going to be a, a big factor in the division you see sometimes those bottom feeder teams if there's a team in the central that can come out and just throttle the Pirates I mean go 17 and 2 or something like that against the Pirates you see, you've seen that a couple times over the years in the American league West with like the Mariners and maybe the Astros getting real hot and really handle business against them. That, that can decide the race right there. If you start up, start off going 15 games over 500 against one team.
0: Yeah. That was a team that, I mean, the Cardinals, they, I, I guess you, the word you could say, but they struggled against the pirates last year for as bad as they were in a short season. So that's, that's definitely one they got to take care of their own business in, uh, against them this, this year, if they want to, uh, if they want to win that NL central and, and be able to uh, make a run in the postseason, but looking at the NL central, uh, do you, do you have the Cardinals on top right now?
3: I do. I think the Cardinals are the team to beat, but I don't really see a huge difference between the Cardinals and the Brewers. To me, they're, they're pretty similar teams with some of the, some of the additions that the Brewers made and obviously the Cardinals, Ed Arenado, but with Jackie Bradley Jr. And Colton Wong and some of the players they already had there, I think they're going to be a really good defensive group. They're going to pitch. They're kind of like the Rays light of the American league with, or with, of the national league, rather with David Stearns up there and Craig council. Like they just always seem to squeeze value out of everybody on the roster. Even if people outside of Milwaukee aren't necessarily familiar with all the names and, and faces on the roster, um, they're going to pitch. And then offensively, you know, I think the Cardinals will be improved, but the Brewers, I think they're going to be similar to what the Brewers are, which is some real heavy hitters in the middle of the lineup and then see where the pieces fall outside of that. So I think the two best teams in the division are the Cardinals and Brewers. And I think they're both going to get it done with pitching and defense for the most part. So it should be a pretty fun race. I would give the Cardinals the edge at the start, just because I think they have more established players. You can kind of, I'd say their floor is maybe a little bit higher, but they're very similar teams. It's going to be fun to watch it play out.
0: What is your, uh, what is your projected opening day lineup for the Cardinals? Give me your one through eight.
3: Oh man. I mean, it's so hard. My kind of token line I've been giving everybody, uh, up at MLB network. And when they asked me about the Cardinals is I really, I really am not sure outside of Goldschmidt and Arenado where they're going to go. And you could look at that as on the one hand, you could look at it as depth. They've got a lot of guys that could fit in a lot of different places. On the other hand, I'm not sure it's such a good thing. If you pick out a given player call it Tommy Edmond, is he going to be your, is he going to be a leader hitter? Is he going to be your seventh hitter? I'm not sure if that's a, a good thing that you've got options or, if that speaks to kind of the weakness of the group as a whole, that someone that could be hitting at the bottom of the lineup could also be argued for hitting at the top of the lineup. But
0: that said, you mean, well, you mentioned Goldschmidt and Arenado. you mentioned, you know where they are. So are they two, three for you? Or are they three, four?
3: I think they're three, four for me. I think Goldschmidt Arenado is probably your three, four. I don't, but I'm not going to be up in arms if they hit them two, three. I know some people are like disgusted with the idea of hitting a guy like Paul Goldschmidt in the two spot. Um, if the offense overall is not going to, be all that strong like if it's a middle of the pack type of offense even if it's better than last year it could still be a middle of the pack type offense then I'm not so sure you get all all that hung up on having one more guy in front of Goldschmidt to set the table as opposed to just making sure those guys are up in the first inning hit people with your best bats right away Um, but let's see let's think about this if I'm going to write out the Cardinals lineup right now I guess I guess the best group I could say would be Edmund first Carlson second Goldschmidt third, Arenado fourth, DeYoung fifth, Molina sixth. Who am I leaving out now? Obviously, leaving out Tyler you know, O'Neill. O'Neill O'Ne- seventh. who's yeah. having a big spring. Yeah, maybe maybe O'Neill can be an X factor. Maybe you flip. Maybe you flip O'Neill and uh, and Molina. Although I think O'Neill, even if he has a great year, is still going to strike out a ton. Um, so that that worries you maybe a little bit putting him in the middle of the lineup. But yeah, I think that's my group: Edmund, Carlson, Goldschmidt, Arenado. DeYoung, Molina, O'Neill,
0: Bader. Yeah, I my I really really want to see Carlson lead off. That's I would love that too. I would yeah, love that and too. And may, maybe that's just something they don't think he's ready for yet. Maybe that's something he works his way into. I feel like if if Dylan Carlson's leading off at some point this season, it's a really good sign for the Cardinals as far as his uh, how he's progressing. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's, that's where I am with that, but everything else, I mean, I have no idea. Like that's, and I think a lot of it has to do with Paul DeYoung. That's, that's one huge factor because for, you know, we, we've seen Paul DeYoung be that cleanup hitter. We've seen him be the number two hitter. We've seen him so many different places in the lineup, but we've also seen, have seen him fall off as the season goes on so many times that it's, it's tough to kind of figure out where you, where you want him to be all year.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I've been, I've been singing that same tune a lot of the offseason, too. I think DeYoung is probably – look, even if DeYoung plays the way he did the last couple of years, he's still a very good player. He's going to hit home runs even if he hits for a low average and strikes out, and he's going to play good defense, and that's always going to be valuable. But if he could get somewhere – look, I know he's not going to be a 300 hitter, but he's been, what, in the 240s, 230s, maybe low 250s the last few years. If he can be closer to what he was in that first full season, up around the 280 mark – then all of a sudden you're looking at one of the best value players in the league, given what his contract status is. I mean, we're going to see multiple shortstops sign nine figure deals next offseason, And they've got him locked up on a really team friendly deal. And if he plays that kind of defense, you know, he's going to hit some home runs no matter what kind of offensive season he has, he's going to run into some home runs. So if he can drag that batting average up a little bit, get his on base percentage in the three forties, even the three fifties. I mean, you're looking at an all-star player and Paul DeYoung, who's still got a lot of, a couple years left, a few years left with the Cardinals on a very attractive deal. So yeah, he's a huge X factor for them to me.
0: What uh, What is your favorite storyline going into the 2021 season that you guys are talking about on the MLB network?
3: I don't know about favorite just cause it's not exactly like it's going to be a super fun thing to follow, but I think it is going to be probably the most relevant thing. And that is how are all these pitchers going to bounce back from the shortened season? I mean, in theory, um, you know, a number that's been thrown around in the past, uh, you know, not wanting to have more than like a 30 inning increase from year to year. I mean, everyone's going for a 30 inning increase coming off of a 60 game season. So how these, uh, how these pitchers are handled and really more how the staffs as a whole are handled, how many teams go to kind of like six man rotation type of situations or how many kind of raise type approaches do we see? Do we see more openers? Do we see more kind of tandem starts? Do we see, Guys, you know, the Alex Reyes of the world, Do we see them in the bullpen pitching more like it's a 1970s type of role where you're coming out and pitching two and three innings out of the bullpen as a way to control your innings that way. So, um, you know, it's going to be there's going to be a lot of things to keep track of, but I don't think there's anything more important than kind of how the pitchers respond to being bounced from a full season in 19 to a shortened season in 20 back to a full season in 21 will have a bigger effect on, on the season the bottom line, just in terms of on the field.
0: All right, Keith Costas, who's going to be starting a new podcast with Mike Claiborne. I got to ask this too. You grew up watching Cardinal baseball your entire life. Um, Are you a pro or against the DH? I think I'm pro DH. I mean, I like the NL style,
3: but at this point, I think it's time to see the DH in both leagues. No, no one needs to see the pitchers hitting. Um, do I like a good, a well-timed double switch as much as anybody? Do I like to see a sack bunt and good fundamental baseball? Yes, I do. But if we could have Matt Carpenter in this lineup, I know Matt Car. I know that's far from a, a given given how his last few seasons have gone, but from a fan's perspective, I'm not sure it adds much. And the bigger thing is that the pitchers, the pitchers don't hit at any other level now. Even down to high school, you're talking about DHs. They don't hit in college. They're not hitting in the minor leagues for the most part. So they didn't
0: hit at all last year. There, I mean, there yeah, were some that haven't year. picked up a bat since uh, you know October or September of 2019.
3: Yeah. So I have no idea how you're supposed to go all the way through your amateur career, your minor league career, and then show up in the big leagues and say, here, hit uh, one of you Darvish's 27 pitches that are all coming with spin and velocity. Good luck to you. It just, I, I think the time has come to just have a uniform rule in both leagues and, You know, last year was a good example. I think people were up in arms about a lot of the rules, and once the game started playing, people didn't really care that much about the particulars of these rules. If it's better for – if it gets a little more offense in the game, makes it a little more exciting, and more importantly, if it keeps pitchers healthy,
0: I say go ahead and do it. I I tweeted this out last month. I just went and I I found it real fast. KK for the Cardinals has three professional plate appearances since 2007. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be the Cardinals number three pitcher this year. He's going to be stepping into the batter's box that first Sunday of the season uh, professionally for the fourth time in 14 years.
3: Yeah, uh, that's crazy. I just, I looked it up real quick. Make sure he's a left-handed hitter. At least he doesn't have that, that left wing flapping out as a right-hander.
0: Does he know know what side of the plate he bats from? I, it's, (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's a good question he might he might just get the you know go up there and look at three straight and come sit down I think right. that's probably the approach with
0: it Hey, you just borrow somebody's helmet and you know whoever's on deck just hey let me get your helmet I'll go up there cool let me have your bat I'm not going to use it I promise <laughs> just, exactly exactly and yet there is a there is a group of people out there that are banging the drum to see that hat to see those pitchers hit or else they just don't want to watch a game. And, you know,
3: there's a lot of people though, on the flip side that think the American league game is actually harder to manage in a certain sense, because you don't have those kind of built in forks in the road where you're going to have to hit for the pitcher. You're going to have to double switch here. It's just based on reading the pitcher. And when does the time come? You're not basing around anything offensively. So that's kind of a devil's advocate argument. I don't know if I necessarily buy into that, but I do think the kind of, uh, romance of the national league game gets a little overblown at times. And I don't think the world would, uh, the world would not end if we added the designated hitter in the national league. So I don't have a super strong opinion about it one way or another, but I do think that the uh, momentum is for a change sooner rather than later. So no point in fighting it at this point.
0: Amen to that. Keith, uh, I know the last time that you and I, uh, that we saw each other, I guess when we first met was the all-star game in Cleveland, hopefully uh, all-star game in Atlanta this year, we can uh, cross paths again. That's uh, that's my hope.
3: That would be great. That would mean we'd be back in ballparks, and that would be a welcome change after the last 12 or
0: 13 months. Absolutely. Keith, best of luck to uh, what you and Klaibs are about to embark on as well. Thanks, Joe. That's Keith Costas of the MLB Network joining us here on Weekend Joe. And as we mentioned, he and Claves will start their own weekly podcast on Claves Online starting up right before the season gets underway. Hey, this is Weekend Joe, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, Munganas Alton Toyota, also sponsored by Glory Pro Wrestling. As Glory Pro Wrestling finally gets back in action in the St. Louis area, they will have their first show at the... Uh, uh, it's the battle on Broadway. They uh, they have the South Broadway Athletic Club booked and ready to go on April uh, 17th. April 17th. Tickets available right now by going online to gloryprowrestling.com. Go there. They already have three matches announced. You heard me earlier in the show. Try to get Corey and Skip to announce a fourth match. Couldn't get him to do it. Could not get him to do it. I'll see what I can do next week about that. But three great matches to start things off. Uh, the main event, hey, it's AJ Gray versus Gr- uh, Jake Something, Crown of Glory Championship match. It's one that you will not want to miss at the Battle on Broadway. Again, find out uh, the ticket details at gloryprowrestling.com. Give them an email at weareglorypro@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Ask him about it. <clears throat> Ask them about the seating pods. Ask them about what they're doing. With the uh, with the spacing and everything else, they'll be happy to answer all of your questions there. Hey, we uh, take a break. and we come back, Crack Slippers, Corey and I will wrap things up for you right here on Weekend Joe. Driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. You're listening to Weekend Joe, now on ClavesOnline.com, Driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Also sponsored by the Collinsville Autobody. Collinsville Autobody, 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Sponsor of uh, well, my many shows on many different platforms for about ten years now. Collinsville Autobody. They'll work with most insurance providers to get you back on the road fast. That's 911 North Bluff Road in Collinsville. Collinsville Autobody. We're back here on Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on KlebesOnline Joe Roderick, Corey Inskip in for Andy Hanselman today, and uh, hey, um, hey Alton Toyota, I, I, if you're you know stuff's opening up. Maybe you got your stimulus this uh, this week, uh, and uh, as you're looking to plan those summer road trips, Ass Alton Toyota will rent you a car. It's going to be a new car. It's going to be, it's going to have a lot less miles on it than anything you're going and renting from somewhere else. You can get a bigger, nicer, newer car than what you have in the, uh, and you don't, you're not putting the ones, the one in your garage. You're not putting miles on it. You're not doing that. You're going out there, you're hitting the road with a nice car, new car from Munganass Alton Toyota. You know, they, uh, they actually rented Klabe's that uh, that Highlander, the 2020 Highlander, for his drive down to spring training. And oh. every week now that we do the lunch show, Klabe's talks more and more about wanting to buy that car when he comes back. <laughs> every week he talks about how he wants to buy that car and how he might buy that car when, uh, when he comes back. So that just, it goes to show you the quality of car that they are giving you at Mungan ass Alton Toyota, one of the title sponsors here of weekend Joe. And it's uh, no Andy this week. So I have nobody to do the intro to crack slippers. So it, Corey, we just got to get right into the crack slippers. We, we just have to jump right into it. Some of the stories that, uh, you know, that that maybe didn't make the headline news this, uh, this past week. And one of them outside of the sports world, we're going to start with one outside of the sports wheel world. You are an educated man of law. So now you're setting me up, you know, all of the big words and uh, you, uh, you you just, you know, but this past week, webster or dictionary.com i should say has added 600 new words sure have you seen these
4: i recall hearing about it earlier in the week and i was disturbed by some of them that were admitted into the english language
0: one of them is disturbing just by what it is and that's deep fake yeah, yeah, digitally manipulated videos or audio files typically featuring a person's likeness and voice in a situation that did not actually occur. So, deep fake had not been a word in the dictionary until now. Uh, this one is disappointing just for an intellectual reason. Uh, supposedly, yeah, that's the one, yeah, that's the one, yeah, supposedly, S U P P O S A B L Y, now a word, it's now a word in the uh, in. And finally, it's finally I um I, I can start using this. Well, I already use this word enough, uh, but it's finally a real word. And that's finna. Oh sure, yeah, f i n n a. Uh, it's a variant of fixin' to, Corey. Mm-hmm. But finna is now finally a uh, a word. So sure. yeah, but six hundred in total. Six hundred in total uh, over at Dictionary. As, as a
4: person that uh, grew up in Rolla, Missouri, and tends to mumble. I can say that I've, uh, I've used been uh, a few times.
0: Yeah. Hey, Corey, uh, Jennifer Lopez back on the market. She yeah. and a rod have broken up after their two year engagements. My wife's not worried. It's okay. I, uh, you know what? I mean, she's uh, how, how old is she now? She's gotta be, I I, she's 51 yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah. 50, uh, 51 years old and still uh i mean still looking absolutely amazing i I gotta want i mean does she go with somebody in the movie industry does she go a lot younger does she uh, because a rod's 45
4: well well, joe you don't seem to be as plugged in as me because i as i recall today i saw something somewhere on the on the the tv around the news that uh they're working things out so are they crazy kids are going to be all right
0: damn it I was, I was, I thought I had a chance here. They canceled their wedding because of COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they canceled it twice.
4: The, uh, they're not going to let us out. Whoever the people are that are getting paid for that wedding, uh, are, 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 I'm sure not happy about that, but they eventually, if it happens, will, will end up getting a nice payday off of it.
0: They're, they're not going to work this out. They're, they're not. And I finally, I am, uh, I, I am extremely excited for MLB, the show coming out in a uh coming out next month but uh one game i there was so i bought the pga 2k 21 when it first came out have not played it as much as i thought i would saw that they've added a new feature to the game that is now going to make me i think play it a little more that they uh that they have uh, where it's kind of everybody you you play against like nine, 15 different people or something. And it's a race to see who can get to the ninth hole first.
4: So you, by, by people, you mean actual uh, people, people like not, not the game.
0: No, you are. Yes. Yeah, so you are playing what? other people that are playing. Gotcha. So it is called, I'm bringing it up here. So the, the game you, you, Oh, you go ahead to head against 19 people in a race to the ninth hole with single elimination knockouts. Ah, uh-huh. it's called the divot derby. Gotcha. So that's not the biggest news from that game this week. 2k announced that tiger woods is coming back to golf games.
4: Oh, well that, that should sell a bit.
0: Yeah. So they will, uh, when they come out with the next game, tiger woods, he will, uh, he'll be available to play in the 2k series. This, uh, years, years after tiger woods was in the, uh, uh, had his own golf game so a nice little fee for that i would imagine he will so yeah, yeah the ea sports tiger woods game was was always just incredible to uh to play and i'm really really hoping that uh, the show is everything that it's been hyped up to be by all of the uh ps or playstation guys over the years
4: hey, they need to get my favorite uh freddy couples on there was he on any of the tiger woods games? I have no idea I don't know what it is, but from a young age, I always, I always pick Fred couples as my favorite.
0: I, I'm trying to think if he was on any of those, because they always had, uh, they'd always have some random golfers Yeah, in the, in, the tiger woods in the EA sports games, So uh, that's one to, uh, that, that's one to check out and see if he'll, if he'll be there on, mm. uh, on that. So well, yeah. report back. Yeah, I, I will do so. Well, Corey, I appreciate you jumping in on uh, on short notice and filling in for uh, for Hanselman as we uh, as sure. we talk about each ad every week. I, I always do the live reads and everything, so I'm going to let you pitch your own product here as we end the uh, as we end the show today.
4: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I uh, I'm of course an attorney. I do mostly estate planning and probate work. So if you you know a lot of people have questions, they don't understand what estate planning is. Uh, basically it's how your assets would be transferred upon your death and how you, uh, plan for that. Uh, there's various tax consequences you have to worry about and time consequences and the ease of transfer. And I take care of all of that, uh, including, you know, uh, trust wills, uh, powers of attorney, the whole nine yards all done in office. If you need it, or if you prefer, I can meet via zoom, like we were talking about. A lot of clients now don't want to come in, and that's fine. We can take care of pretty much everything you need online. And if you're in a situation where you've had a family member that's passed and they haven't done their estate planning properly, uh, I do the probate work necessary to make sure that the assets transfer the way they were intended and are allowed by law. So uh, feel free to give me a call. 314-818-0344.
0: Awesome, thank you again for uh, for jumping on, appreciate it and we will talk soon. All right, thanks a lot. That is Corey Inskip, I am Joe Roderick, this has been Weekend Joe, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, Munganass Alton Toyota here on klabsonline.com. Talk to you next week, everybody.
1: At St. Louis Acura, we have over 250 pre-owned vehicles in stock. Many of them priced under $20,000. Have a trade in or want to sell your car? Bring it in for a quick appraisal and sell your car in minutes. We also have free vehicle pickup and delivery to your home or office. That's just one reason we are the nation's only 29-time Acura Precision Team winner for customer satisfaction. And why we have an a rating with the Better Business Bureau. Magadass St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.